couple of weeks ago when I started that, I think we went down through about verse 5 talking about the calling of the priest. Uh, from here on for several chapters, it's about the priesthood. And uh, we talked about God called those men to be priests and verses 1 through 5. But we're going to pick up tonight about verse 6 and start talking about their garments, especially the, the garments that the high priest was to wear. And uh, these garments, we, we may not think too much about it, but God designed this. God laid it out, tells them how, what they're to be made out of, how they're to be made, and all those kind of things. And it's a symbol that shows dignity, and it's a symbol that shows honor to the name of God. Uh, we live in a day today, uh, my brother Rule, he, he pays me a compliment almost every time I see him. He says, you look like a preacher. Well, I don't know what one looks like, but uh, I'm glad that God's called me to preach, and I'm glad that, that people can recognize that in my life. Uh, many of the, the pastors in the day today, you know, they don't dress like I've been accustomed to dressing when they entered the pulpit. But uh, if it works for them, it's okay with me. But I, I sometimes I wonder what kind of message it's really sending. But uh, <clears throat> starting in verse 6. Each of these pieces of their garments are described here in this scripture. It can get very, you can get bogged down in it if you're not careful. But uh, the ephod, this is a sleeveless, coat-like garment that the high priest wore. And uh, notice in verse six, and thou shalt make the ephod of gold of blue, of purple, of scarlet, and fine twined linen with cunning work. Again, these colors are repeated over and over again here in uh, the temple or the tabernacle as well as, as the priest garments. Uh, the ephod of gold, of course gold real uh, symbolizes deity. Get my tongue tangled up here. Blue, of course, is the, the blueness of the sky. It talks about God reigning in this world. Purple, what do we say that represented? Royalty, yeah. And scarlet represents redemption or the blood. And the fine twined linen, this was, of course, is white. And it, it represents purity and righteousness before God. These are to be made with cunning work, he says. So the materials, gold, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen. Now look at the design, verse seven. It shall have two shoulder pieces thereof, joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. So it was a two-piece garment joined together on the shoulder pieces there, two straps that joined them. Uh, have a sash, or as it calls it in King James, the, the girdle, 
the curious girdle of the ephod which is upon it shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of the gold and of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen. So it's a, a belt that kind of goes around the midsection, made out of the same materials. And all of this is to show dignity and honor to God. Now notice in verse 9 there, Thou shalt take the two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. These onyx stones, they're on the shoulder pieces, one on each side, and they put six names on each one of them, verse 10. Six of their names on one stone and the other six names on the rest of this other stone according to their birth. These are the 12 names of the tribes of Israel. Starting with the firstborn right on down to the lastborn. These were on the shoulders of the high priest. And sometimes uh, the other priests wore some of these garments also. High priest had the fanciest uh, of all of them, but yet uh, some of the garments are the same. But this symbolizes and teaches the people here that the priests go in before God. You see, the priests were called to serve God, but not only to serve God, but to serve his people. And as they go in before God, here in the tabernacle, they're carrying the names of all the 12 tribes of Israel on their shoulders. And as they come before God and, and minister before Him, then uh, it's they're ministering to God for these people. Now notice how these stones are to be engraved in verse 11. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in ouches of gold. Uh, <clears throat> If I understand this, those names were not carved down into the stone, but he talks about carving as a jeweler. And I, I'm taking that that they were raised letters. Am I right? Holly? Well, what I'm thinking about, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm writing this or not, but uh, the, if the letters were raised, like you, you've seen a rubber stamp, the letters are raised and it, everything else is carved away and <laughs> they're left. But uh, you may be right, Holly. I don't know. I'm asking a question about that. But anyway, they were redone in a very special way. It wasn't just something he talks about as a jeweler would do that. Uh, they're to fasten the stones to the shoulder pieces of the ephod there in verse 12. Thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial. It's in remembrance. A memorial 
unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. So it's a very special thing for each tribe to be represented uh, as the high priest and who, who was Aaron as he would go in and he would minister and he would pray. Um, symbolize the priest representing and carrying the name of God's people before the Lord. Now the design uh, is verse 13, Thou shalt make ouches of gold and two chains of pure gold at the ends of wreathen work. Shalt thou make them and fasten the wreathen claims to the ouches. So to make all these settings of gold and to make two chains of pure gold and attach them to these, these settings here. Then we move on to the breast piece. This was a very uh, significant part of the, uh, the high priest <coughs> garment. <coughs> Getting something caught in my throat. Thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work after the work of the ephod. Thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, and of fine twined linen shalt thou make it. So all these same materials go into this, this woven gold, uh, linen, all those kind of things. And he tells us how it's to be designed here in verse 16. Four square it shall be double, being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. A span is about nine inches, according to what uh, my Bible says. It was to be square. It was folded, and doubled over, and it formed a pouch. I mentioned this in, in the sermon Sunday about the high priest carrying the thumen and the what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, Dennis. Urim and the Thummim. Um, that's where he carried them, right here on the chest. That's the breastplate. Of course, it, it has a lot on it. We'll, we'll talk about it. Verse 17, Thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, a carbuncle, this shall be the first row. The second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a ligure, an agate, and an am amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. And they shall be set in gold in their enclosings. So these different stones, and again it's representing the 12 tribes of Israel, one for each one. The first row of stones, second row of stones, third, fourth row. Those are all set in gold settings there. One stone for each of the 12 tribes of Israel again. So the, their names are to be engraved in it. The fourth row, uh, did we get down past that? The stones shall be with their names of the children of Israel 12, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. 
Thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. So these attach to the ephod, braided chains of gold. This is very fancy stuff here. Thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold, <clears throat> and shalt put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Thou shalt put the two wreathen chains of gold, and the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains shalt thou fasten in the two ouches, and put them in the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And thou shalt make two rings of gold, and thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate and the border thereof, which is the side of the ephod inward. Let's talk about these for just a minute. <clears throat> the breastplate contains 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. They're set three to a row, four different rows of them. They attach to the chest piece of the ephod. Braided chains of pure gold, two gold rings, and they attach to the top corners of the chest piece, along about here somewhere, I suppose, for the gold cords to go through. Tie the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces. Now, Verse 26, Thou shalt make two rings of gold, two more rings, in other words, and attach them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward. <clears throat> the, the breastplate. What, uh, what do you see as the significance of this breastplate? Yeah, each one of them had a different type of stone. But where it rested? The heart, yeah. You ever heard anybody say, I've got you in my heart? See, when the priest went in before God, he was saying to all these people, I've got you in my heart. I'm taking you before the Lord. And that's, that's a saying that we even use to today. Keep me in your heart. Does the Lord live in your heart? Uh, Dennis and I had the privilege of witnessing to a young man this afternoon, and he, he said he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And uh, I think it kind of scared him when we pulled up in the driveway. <laughs> he didn't know why we were coming. We didn't know why we were going. We just had an address. About all we had, wasn't it, Dennis? But uh, he, he, he readily admitted that the Lord had been dealing with him. And he, when, before we left, he said, you guys pulled up my driveway. What would he said, Dennis? Uh, yeah, yeah, I knew something was coming. Just didn't know what. <laughs> but uh, uh, God was dealing with him. Uh, we we talked to another guy and I think he got under conviction and he pretty well told us it's time to leave. <laughs> he went back in the house. 
But uh, he was, God was getting a hold of his heart too. But <clears throat> the heart's what God deals with us, isn't it? He deals with our heart. And it's very important. Uh, this chest piece, uh, the breastplate there, it symbolized that a high priest represented and carried the names of God's people upon his heart, that he represented them before the Lord continually. Now it's in this breastplate, and I'm going to skip over some of this because it just repeats the same thing. But uh, the Urim and the Thummim, I'm trying to find it where it's at here. Page, uh, verse 30, yeah. Thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. Now listen. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Mm. Powerful, I reckon. But think about what a responsibility that he had. The whole nation of Israel, six million people, upon this one man's heart. And he goes in to minister before God and carries their burdens to God. And you know, he, he made intercession for them. He pled their case. He was their lawyer taking their case before the Holy God. And it, I hope we're grasping the, the specificity, uh, how God is so specific in this and how he wants things carried out. God's not a sloppy God. He's, he's a God of great detail. No wonder he designed us and made us as we are. And when you come to think about it, we're made in his likeness and in his image. And another thing to think about over in the New Testament, the Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests. Each of us are a priest before God. We can intercede for other people. And that's wonderful, isn't it? That God gives us that, that privilege and that honor to come before Him on behalf of someone else. Don't ever take it lightly about praying for people because your prayers mean much. It touches the heart of God. Now, in verse 30, 31, the robe. Thou shalt make a robe of the ephod, all of blue. This robe that went over the ephod. It was all blue. Representing heavenly. There shall be a hole in the top of it. It was kind of like a poncho, I'd call it. Something that you pulled on over your head. And... There shall be a hole in the top of it. In the midst thereof it shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it, as it were the whole of an habergeon, that it rent, that it be not rent. 
a woven collar. I guess we could say something that wouldn't tear. And this this poncho type thing, this robe that went over, went all the way down to his feet. And then it begins to get interesting here in verse 33. And beneath upon the hem of his garment, it just says it, I put the words his garment, upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof and the bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. Now, these pomegranates, I understand that this uh, represents some things. Uh, I'm trying to think what I read about it. Uh, maybe it's health that they represent, prosperity. But you have a pomegranate and a bell, and a pomegranate and a bell, and a pomegranate and a bell all around the bottom of his robe. What do you think this is for? <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty well it. You see, <clears throat> when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, and he was walking around in there everywhere he went, and, and he could only go in the Holy of Holies one time a year. The other 300 and 60 days, 60 so many, how I many was in there a year, he could go into the, the holy part, but not the holiest of holies. So he ministered outside the holy of holies. And a lot of times the people would be outside the tabernacle. But when every time he moved, they could hear the tinkling of those bells. And they could pretty well tell where he was at, if he was at the table of showbread, or if he was up there where the candlestick was, or he was over at the altar. Then they could know what he was doing. And there's something else significant about this, and I, I read it somewhere, I don't know where, but when he went into the Holy of Holies once a year, there to make the atonement for the sins of the people and for his sins and the other priest's sins. He only went in there one time a year. And he had to take a blood sacrifice in there and offer it. As long as they could hear those bells ringing, they knew he was still alive. But I read it somewhere that when he went into the holiest of holies, they tied a rope around his ankle. If he offered something that God wasn't pleased with, God might strike him dead. And nobody else was allowed to go in there. So they'd take that rope and pull him out, should he die in there. Makes sense, don't it? <laughs> now, I've never read that in Scripture, but I read it somewhere that they, they tied his tied that rope around his ankle when he went in on the holiest of holies. But he's here ministering to the Lord. And the people can hear those bells ringing. And we, we've even sung a song, don't you hear those bells now ringing? 
But what was he doing? Verse 35. It shall be upon Aaron to minister. And his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord. And when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. This, this plate hung down from his turban and it was right on his forehead. Holiness to the Lord. How'd you like to have a sign on you like that? You think you'd live different? <laughs> There's a lot to think about there, isn't there? You start to say something and somebody looks at that, oh, you're a holy person. Of course, nowadays they'd say you're holier than thou. But I guess we deserve that sometimes. But... <clears throat> I thought about that, that if we had to wear something on us like that, it would, it would sure make us think before we said or did a lot of things, or where we might go, how we might act. But yet we are holy to the Lord, aren't we? We're bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ, and that makes us holy. We don't always act holy. I was reading somewhere in my devotions this morning. It said, the Lord doesn't save you to make you happy. The Lord saves you to make you holy. And when you're holy, then you'll be happy. Think about that. We get it backwards, don't we? I think a lot of people think, when I get saved, I won't have any more problems. Ooh, you're wrong about that. <laughs> you have problems galore. But as long as the devil's got you, he ain't going to give you too many things that you have to fight him on. But once you switch sides and go with the Lord, then it's a, it's a battle, but the Lord's on our side. Thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Now get that. It shall always be upon his forehead does it say that he may be accepted before the Lord? No. That they, the people whom he's represented, might be accepted before the Lord. These next few verses is uh, the instructions governing the clothing for just the priest. And I'm hoping I'm not going to run over tonight. Thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, 
Thou shalt make the miter of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons, thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make them for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. The regular priests, not just the high priest, but these other priests, they were to have special garments also. They were distinguished from other people. They were distinguished before the Lord. Thou shalt put upon, I'm in verse 41. Thou shalt put upon them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and consecrate, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. This is the ordination of these priests. They're set apart. They're clothed with those special garments. They have been sanctified and that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And this is God speaking. Their clothing will be in verse 42, thou shalt make them linen breeches or underpants to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs they shall reach. This is for modesty purposes. They shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place. Why? that they bear not iniquity and die. They had to go up steps to the altar. They had to bend over to do some things. And it was for modesty's sakes that God told them to wear this. Modesty and purity covered their nakedness keep from arousing God's anger. But they, they bear it, and they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statue forever unto him and his seed after him. God wants these priests and he wants each of us to be moral people modest people, not people who try to flaunt the flesh and put into other people. But we've kind of lost that in our world today too. 